Welcome, everybody. The big dudes in the trenches. It's just me and Tug once again. Bug is still, you know, having a job and stuff. Like a normie. Lame. <laughs> Who wants a job? Nobody. I think that's the problem. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, there's football happening literally right now. You uh, definitely don't see it behind me, NFL lawyers. That is not what's going on. Nope. I don't see anything behind you other than blank wall. Literally nothing. Oh, shit. Not that way. Nothing. Oh, shit. <laughs> uh, if you're watching us live on Twitch, please don't report us. Uh, also, if you're listening to us via audio, uh, thank you for tuning in. But you are getting this late, so if we react to the game, something crazy happens, you already know about it. Well, we don't because it's happening live in front of us. Maybe you uh, don't know about it. Uh, true. That's true. But that but would you mean probably you didn't did. watch Thursday Night Football. Which is Which unfortunate. Like yeah. Also, this booth of Kirk Herb Street and Al Michaels is insane. And I don't know if I like it yet, to be honest with you. That's fair. And yet, it's also like definitively one of the best booths we have going. So that's that's not a high bar to surpass. I know. <laughs> I know what I said. <laughs> uh, but we have NFL news, NFL games to talk about. We have college news, college games to talk about. Then we have a bracket segment that you are not going to want to miss. So let's go ahead and jump in. What do you say? All right, let's do it, man. Hey, let, let's get our uh, screenshots up here. Um, because this first set of news out of the NFL, something a lot of people have been asking for for a long time. That's right. Brownie the Elf is back. He's back. At He's the 50-yard line. For the first time since the 1940s, actually, um, Brownie the Elf was... There were two origins for this. I don't know if you know this. No, go ahead. Uh, so, obviously, the Browns are named after Paul Brown, who was the head coach of Ohio State, and then went to start the Cleveland Browns franchise when the Cleveland Rams left for California. So, the Cleveland Browns didn't have a name. They were just the Cleveland football team kind of a deal until the owner was like, eh, fuck it, calls the Browns. Uh, then, on the sideline, people were like, hey, maybe Paul Brown kind of looks kind of short compared to all these football players. Uh, so they started calling him an elf. And he was the original Brownie the Elf. That is but the best story ever. Also, oh, it gets better. really dark, uh, there was a, uh, a person with dwarfism in the city of Cleveland who volunteered to be the sideline mascot. And he dressed up as Brownie the Elf. Send it. I wonder if they're still hiring for that position. <laughs> I might definitely I'm, not. That might be perfect. <laughs> and so when they actually joined the NFL, because they were in the AAFL at that time, when they joined the NFL, the NFL was like, please don't do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so naturally they continue. No, I'm kidding. Exactly. <laughs> naturally they brought it back in 2022. <laughs> all right i love everything about this it actually makes it look like the browns have a logo and i hope to god that someday they put it on their helmets even though we all know they're not going to right um but i can cool. i can dream 
you know what else I can dream about? TJ Watt playing the season? No, I was going to say Justin Reed kicking another football. Um, hey. That's right. Harrison Bucker was ruled out for tonight. Um, unfortunately, though, they apparently had a kicker on the practice squad and went the easy route. Uh, filled up another roster spot with yet another kicker. You know, big deal, right? Uh, Matt Amendola is kicking for the uh, Kansas City Chiefs tonight. Uh, unfortunately, that means Justin Reed will not be kicking for the Chiefs, and I was oh so hoping for that. Same. Because he's competent. That's like the surprising part. Right. I know. It's kind of fun. Uh, other than that, we do have some bad news. Uh, if you are a TJ Watt fan or a Justin Simmons fan, uh, they will both be missing at least four games. I think both are in that uh, four to six game range. Um, TJ is probably on the longer end of that with a uh, partially torn pec. Uh, they're trying to figure out what that's going to look like. Uh, but either way, they should return the season. They are on the IR, uh, but they will be out for at least four games in accordance with IR regulations. Yeah, uh, reigning defensive player of the year, TJ Watt. So, you know, that's going to be a huge problem for the Steelers. Hopefully they both come back. And I know they just paid Justin Simmons in Denver too. So, yep, got rough. And then uh, also out of that Monday night game, Jamal Adams, uh, this is not a four to six game situation. Uh, unfortunately, he is done for the season. Uh, diagnosed with a torn quad, he is a uh, – Jamal, yeah, Jamal Adams, about to go in for surgery. He's talking to the doctors about the timetable, things like that. Um, that's a, that's a huge loss for Seattle, who looked really good on Monday night. Yeah, I, I know. I hate to see that. It would have been crazy if I was just a year early on my four teams out of the NFC West making the playoffs prediction. Oh my god! And it was actually Geno Smith that got him there. Oh my god, man. <laughs> Well, how Gino much would we all have to eat our words if Pete Carroll actually took this team to the playoffs? Dude, Gino actually looked really good. I know. He, was, he wasn't super efficient, but he looked good. I know. It's crazy. I don't know how to feel about this. <laughs> but this is not the weekly review show. This is the weekly preview show. Oh, God, I hope I set the title right. I mean... No. We'll find out. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> uh, but yeah, anyway, we have some games to pick. We do have um, some games. I know these don't count, yeah. but I'm going to ask you right now. Kansas City versus LA is on right now in Kansas City. Last year they went um, one and one, home and home. Too little. Ah. Oh no, it was a lot to a lot each week. <laughs> I was going to say a lot of wins to a few losses. Oh yeah, both of them. But but here's the big question I have for you. <laughs> Spread is in favor of, or was in favor of Kansas City, mm -hmm. minus four. Who you got in this game? I mean, knowing that is completely agnostic and does not affect our pick'em records. I would like the Chargers to win, uh, but it's in Kansas City, which means the Chiefs will probably win. I do believe the Chargers are leading at the moment. Or last time I looked. So it is three and oh, they are fourth and inches and going for it. Nice. Uh, that defensive line of Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack right now that's terrifying. Yes, for literally everyone. Yeah, it I'm absolutely should be the Chargers defensive line. 
So, <laughs> and I don't have to play them. <laughs> uh, but we do have three games we're going to pick in the primetime slots because there's a double header Monday night. Uh, that's wild and unfortunate because that means we have to pick and choose which Monday night game we have to watch. So here, well, no, because they have them offset. One's at six, one's at eight thirty. They're not offset enough. Like one's still going to be going on when the other one starts. Look, ESPN is the is the broadcast for both of them. Really, I don't yes. believe that to be true. They they like I said, they do this typically every week. One this year it was weird All that right. they had a had a week two doubleheader, and usually, and you can. Well, no, that blows that mindset. Usually they have them in East Coast matchup and a West Coast matchup to offset them. This just blows my mind at this point. I mean, it is what it is. I guess ah. let's go ahead and jump to the picks. All right, let's do um, it. First yeah. one, Green Bay versus Chicago at Green Bay. Look, this isn't obviously week one. Black. Yeah, obviously <laughs> Buck's going with the Bears. Uh, for me, yeah. look, man, this isn't – oh, we're going down all of his picks. Yeah, we are because Buck's not with us and we have to honor – you know, yeah. his, his choices here. That's fair. Uh, he's taking the Bills and the Vikings. Uh, the only in-division team that he refuses to ever pick is the Packers. So, understandably, he's going with the Bears. Yep. Uh, I'm not going with the Bears <laughs> for personal reasons. <laughs> the IE, I want to be right reasons. Yes, that would be that. Uh, also, I'm going to take the Titans against the Bills. Uh don't know why, based on their week one performances. I just feel like everything is crazy this year in college and the NFL, as you've been trying to tell me. Uh, and I think it's kind of possible. Um, maybe the Bills come out too confident at home against a seemingly bad Titans offense. And it turns out that uh, their rookie receiver just – ends up being really great in this game. I don't know. Anything's <laughs> possible. Uh, I'm also going to take the Eagles because that'd be fun. I, I yep. see the approach you're taking this week. You are going the opposite <laughs> of Ben. It wasn't my intention, but yes, that is what happened. All right. In the first matchup, I look, I've been trying to say it. I will say it now. It is not week one, which means you're getting true Aaron Rodgers. I'm taking the Packers at Lambeau. I'm sorry. The To me, the Chargers or the, the Bears looked okay last week in the rain, in the monsoon. Uh, it's not going to be that bad in Lambeau. It's not time for snow yeah. yet. Yeah. And honestly, they didn't look that good. They just looked good enough. Right. Which there's a big difference. Facts. All right, I am also taking Buffalo at home. I'm sorry, this is a no-brainer to me. Um, I mean, yeah, that that defense <laughs> is absolutely scary. Um, we were talking. You're talking about the Chargers out there. The Bears are just as, or not the Bears. The Bills are just as scary. I am tired. Can you tell? Yes, <laughs> sir. I can. <laughs> Either way, I'm taking the Bills in this matchup. I think Josh Allen in that offense is too much. And then, yeah, I am also taking. The Vikings in this matchup, again, I don't know if the Eagles can slow down Justin Jefferson. This offense is insane right now. Kirk Cousins looks like a top five quarterback, or at least the Packers made him look so. So right now I'm, I'm writing the prove to me that you can't do this weekly. Um, yeah. 
the the That's Eagles they, they had an easier matchup last week, so and they struggled with it. They almost lost to the Lions. Um, so yeah, I'm, a, I'm, this is a great week for me to either take a huge commanding lead or to fall way behind. In our yep. Yes, it is. <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> uh, but we also picked our own games to watch this week. Uh, I'll start with Bugs' pick. Uh, he went with Arizona at Las Vegas, which, yeah, the Cardinals looked awful last week. I think that's pretty undeniable at this point. Uh, the Raiders looked kind of decent, but also did lose. Uh, I will say <laughs> one fascinating note about this game. This will be Devontae Adams' grandparents' first NFL game. So that's you know awesome. he's going to ball out. Uh, <laughs> that's I awesome. Think that's I think that gave away how everyone is picking in this one. Uh, <laughs> hint, hint, nudge, nudge. I'm going to take uh, Indianapolis at Jacksonville, kind of for the memes, but also because it's another matchup of AFC South teams, and we need one of them to win eventually. So, hey, let's hope the Colts can do better than 0-0-2. No. <laughs> whoa, whoa. <laughs> Also, oh, oh, and two would be so hilarious that I want to see that happen. And it very well might because the Colts kryptonite is and will forever be Jacksonville, Florida. The entire city, not the team, by the way. We mean yes. the city. Yes. Well, because the, they play the team very well when they're in Indianapolis. But when it's in Jacksonville. <laughs> All of a sudden, they forget how to play football. What is ball? Why is it oblong? Now, what's your game to watch this week? Yeah. Man, I was shocked last week with, with Seattle's performance. So I am, and honestly, I was shocked with San Francisco's performance on the opposite end of it. I am taking Seattle, traveling to San Francisco. I'm wondering if Seattle's legit. I'm wondering if San Francisco were, were pretenders the entire offseason. Um, I don't know what to expect out of this game. Gino looked like a legit starting quarterback. Pete Carroll proved that he can still game plan and call a good game. Um, I expect the same out of them in week two, even against this, this uh, Niners defense. Trey Lance looked like a very good, and I mean like top of the league, very good QB two. Um, can he take <laughs> that step into QB one territory and how much of that was due to the rain, right? These are these are the storylines I'm looking at in this game. I think it's going to be a very good game. And really, I'm looking to see who's got the upper hand in the quarterback department in this division. Is it going to be Geno or is it going to be Trey? That is a wild conversation that would not have been plausible before last week. I, before now, Monday. Right. <laughs> I love everything about it. Uh, so we do have Bugs picks here. I already kind of talked about it. He's going with Las Vegas. Uh, and taking the Colts, they are the more talented team at this moment. It would make sense. Also, this is not a play-in game for the playoffs, so the Colts might actually perform because uh, they don't when it's a play-in game for the playoffs. <laughs> no, we just covered this. And they don't perform in Jacksonville. Right, I know, but he's taking the Colts, so I have to defend it somehow for him. Uh, and then 
he's taking Seattle at San Francisco. I think he is officially aboard the Trey Lance is ass bandwagon. Uh, I don't know if I'm there yet. Actually, I don't think that I am, but <laughs> I guess let's jump to my picks. I'm also taking Las Vegas against the Cardinals. Uh, their best offensive talent is out for a couple more weeks, and this might be a Call of Duty double XP weekend. Which means God damn it, you brought the memes in. You really are here for the memes. <laughs> Kyler Murray's just not going to perform, man. I'm taking Indianapolis as well. Um, I kind of just don't believe Jacksonville is ready. I think this game is going to be very close, but I do think the Colts were embarrassed last week, and Matt Ryan's going to do everything in his power to make sure they finally win a game here uh, with him as their starting quarterback. And then I'm going to take San Francisco. I just think that defense is so much better than – the Seahawks offense and the rain and the, the weather in Chicago neutralized everything, right? It was kind of no man's land out there. You almost have to take the home team in a situation like that, no matter what. So I understand the 49ers losing last week. It will be much harder for me to explain losing to Seattle at home when there's not a monsoon happening. Well, um, you're, one of your playoff teams just lost to Seattle in week one when there was not a monsoon happening. I am aware. <laughs> That's enough out of you. <laughs> no, no, we're just getting started. Well, what do you got then? What are your picks? All right. All right. Um, I'm not going to overthink this. I am also going to take the Raiders. They are a much more talented team. Oh, no, they lost by five points to one of the highest powered offenses in the league. Oh, my Ooh. God. They didn't lose by 23 to the other of the two highest-powered offenses in the league. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, moving on. I am taking Jacksonville. And, Doug, you, you already highlighted why. Indy doesn't perform in Jacksonville. Two years ago when Jacksonville won a six-year game, it was against Indy at home in week one. Hey, yep. hey I've story before. This is... The only difference is now it's week two. I think Travis Etienne is going to have a much bigger game. I don't know what the Colts are bringing. They're just – they seem to be out of sync right now, and I have concerns about that. All of that being said, like, it's it's in Jacksonville. I, if only because it's in Jacksonville, am I giving the Jags a little bit of, a little bit of favoritism here. And then coming down to Seattle – Seattle, San Francisco. I am going to Seattle. And Doug, I think you're right. Throughout the entire Bear game, um, I actually think this is going to come down to a running back battle. And frankly, I'm going to take the Seattle Seahawks running backs over the 49ers losing Elijah Moore, uh, Elijah Mitchell for six to eight weeks. Um, Kenneth Walker should play this weekend. It's not Chris Carson. Who was it? It was Rashad Penny last week. Um, and they had success against a Broncos defense was a solid run defense. San Francisco also has a solid run defense, but I'm going to come out with Seattle here. I think Geno can manage the game enough and let the run game do the rest. Yeah, I mean, fair enough. I do think it's going to be a good game. I'm just surprised everyone's jumping on Seattle 
as I'm not trying as they are. Give me Seattle against any other. Give me Seattle against the Rams. I would take the Rams. I'm not jumping on the Seattle bandwagon. I still think they're going to miss the playoffs, but I think they're going to come out to the hot start. Fair enough. I'll still believe it when I see it. Yeah, that's valid. <laughs> A bunch of good games this weekend, though. I am looking forward to some good NFL action. Like this Thursday night game, which we need an update of. How's it going? That we definitely can't see behind you. Uh, it is currently 10 to nothing <laughs> with the Chargers in the lead. Uh, like Chiefs are driving. I am happy with this at the moment. Uh, but let's go ahead and talk about some fantasy football because I know you have some things to say. Yeah, so one of these guys is going to be a shout-out yeah. <laughs> shout to you, but for our wide receivers this week, I'm going to tell you to sit Elijah Moore. Look, the Jets passing attack doesn't look fantastic going into week two. It's another tough matchup for them against the Browns. Um if you're going to start anybody from the Jets, it ought to be Garrett Wilson. We all know this. Or, or Brees Hall. Give me one of those two. Um, Corey Davis is, a, is marginal, but you sit Elijah Moore. Why am I saying that? Other than it being Joe Flacco and him not looking good last week. Him probably not going to look good this week with, against arguably a better secondary. Oh, Elijah Moore was third in targets on the Jets last week. So he was behind... Um, Corey Davis and Garrett Wilson for targets. I'm sorry, the Jets' offense is not good enough for me to consider starting their number three wide receiver. Yeah. Now, I'm sticking in the AFC East, and the shout-out to you, Doug, is Gabe Davis here. I think this is a favorable matchup against a very weak uh, Tennessee secondary. I think that while they do have some good talent in that secondary – Stefan Diggs is going to pull the number one corner, and Gabe Davis went off last week, and I think it's going to be much the same again this week. He's got, he's fast. He gets the underneath routes. He's the number two read. You can't ask for much more than that. I think Buffalo is going to run that score. Uh, you're looking mid-30s, high-40s It would be my guess, even against that Tennessee defense, um, which means Gabe Davis is going to get you points. I'm starting Gabe Davis this week. Yeah, and – why that's a shout-out to me, if you haven't been watching us all offseason, is I've said if there is a year for Gabe Davis to break out, it would be this year. It makes a lot of sense. Touchdown, Kansas City. Only one. I'm not the only one to think that, but I certainly did say that in our offseason episodes. And, and you drafted uh, him on the one team you drafted for me. <laughs> and uh, he's proven it so far. Last week was really good. So... I like what I see out of Gabe Davis. Uh, oh, my go God. Ahead. He he did it again. Patty Mahomes did the weird under sidearm throw for a touchdown. Yeah. Is that Sky Moore? <laughs> You're going to be so happy. <laughs> what number is Scott? While I'm I, doing my sits, can you look up the number for Sky Moore for me? Sure. All right. Uh my sit for the week is going to sound weird, but I am sitting Najee Harris for the running backs this week. Look, he's dealing with a, a right foot injury, which doesn't look good. Uh, it doesn't look bad, but it's not really known what the, the injury is. Um, that being said, Najee's playing against the Patriots, who are historically great at defending against the run. 
worse off, especially if you're playing in a half PPR or a PPR league, the Pittsburgh running backs as a whole were the least targeted running back, uh, least targeted backfield from the quarterback uh, in passing down situations in the league. That spells disaster going into week two for for the Steelers. I, I can't start. I cannot start Najee not knowing what that injury is and knowing the, the background stats going into this week. Sky Moore has the same number as your start there, number 24. Okay. Who's number one? <laughs> I'm not looking at the Chiefs roster right now. I'm sorry. That's fair. That's fair. All right. Uh, <laughs> the start of the week is Antonio Gibson, a Memphis boy. Ben would be proud of us because I picked this on my own. Um, look. He's still the running back one. Uh, I don't know if he, you're going to be able to start him all season, but this is another favorable matchup for the running backs uh, from the commanders. He had solid targets. He's a pass catching back. So if you're in a PPR or half PPR league, that is the way you want to look. And they're going to be efficient moving the ball this week. Uh, look, Carson Wentz loves his running backs. That's only going to continue. He's always loved his running backs. And then, oh, they're playing the Lions. Let's look at the running back, the Eagles running backs who played the Lions last week. Kenny Gainwell, touchdown. Miles Sanders, touchdown. Boston Scott, touchdown. Three running backs out of a four-headed monster got a touchdown. I'm betting on Antonio Gibson getting getting paid dirt this week. Antonio Gibson's my start of the week. Number one on the Chiefs is the running back out of Georgia Southern, Jarek Mannon. Ah. He got a receiving touchdown from a weird sidearm pass. That is impressive. Good for him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but now we have some college news to get to. Uh, let's go ahead and start off talking about the Mountain West Conference Commissioner, Craig Thompson, who is retiring at the end of this year. Literally December 31 will be his last day on the job. And I got to say, he's been in a power five or not a power five, in an FBS commissioner role for such a long time that this is like losing an elder statesman, even though he's only 66 years old. Uh, like that is an elder statesman. I mean, compared to some football administrators and like owners and stuff in the NFL, he is very young. So he has a long time to enjoy that retirement. I'm very happy for him. But he's been ahead of a conference since 1987 when he took over the American South, which then merged with the Sun Belt in 1991, took over the Mountain West, actually the Mountain West Conference's first ever employee as its commissioner in 1998. So he's been with the Mountain West for like 24, 24 years. years. This will be his 25th season, I think, the way it works out. And uh, he's also a member of the College Football Playoff Committee one of the most respected voices in the sport. It'll be tough to lose Craig Thompson as Mountain West Commissioner. No candidates have been named, nothing like that. We don't know anything about who's going to take over. But if it's anything like what the Big 12 and the Pac-12 just did, we might see somebody from completely out of left field. Entertainment industry, it doesn't have to be just football anymore. It's all about creating a TV product. Well, Which and is something the Mountain West hasn't been great at, actually. Also, also understand that it was never just football. A lot of these commissioners right. commissioned for, well, all of them actually commissioned for the entire conference and all of their sponsored sports. Right, right. But still, having you know, the Pac-12 get a guy from 
MGM casinos. <laughs> Having the Big 12 get a guy from Jay-Z's brand label. Like, that's unusual still. So, <laughs> we'll see what the Mountain West does. I'm sure we'll be talking a lot more about the future of that conference here uh, over the coming couple of years, honestly, with all this conference realignment, too. That's going to hit the Mountain West at some point, you have to think. Uh, next up, do want to talk about the SEC told Georgia and Tennessee to cancel their non-conference games with Oklahoma. I don't like this. So well, here's the deal. No, it makes sense. They're supposed, because... to be, supposed to be home and home series. And the first home game is at Oklahoma for both of these. 2023 for Georgia, 2024 for Tennessee. The other home game then would have had to be after 2025, and the SEC is like, mm, no, uh, we're not going to have to deal with that once you guys enter the conference. And that makes so, sense. It kind of makes sense, but it also really sucks because that was, those have been awesome games. Un- unless, and hear me out here, unless we're getting UT and OU earlier than 2025. I have been a firm believer of that the entire time. I know. You have it in the notes. This is only acting as a confirmation bias confirmer for people who are looking at it the same way that I am. Yeah. I really don't see how Oklahoma and Texas will join early. It's going to take so much money. I don't know that it's necessarily worth it. Just wait one more year, you know. But that's it's possible. Now, Georgia has already announced a replacement opponent. It's a MAC school, so great. Take well, away they Georgia and Oklahoma. Uh, you say they couldn't go and schedule uh oh, all the other power fives have their comp- non-conference schedules planned out ske- for the next 10 ske- years schedule an extra conference game against tennessee <laughs> there we go <laughs> they already play each other probably fucking third saturday they're, in they're december because we're running out they're both in sec east they definitely play each other yeah that's yeah but now we're gonna play on the third saturday in december now Right, because we no. got the third Saturday, third Saturday of sep- uh, October, third Saturday of no. September. No. Yeah. Let's do the first Saturday of September. They no, can, that, that requires counting. They can't do that. <laughs> no, it's got to be third. They all get confused <laughs> if it's not the third, okay? What if we make it the 18th day of something, and they can remember Peyton Manning and feel good about themselves? The, eight, <laughs> the 18th day of March. Why? <laughs> I don't know. You're Tennessee. Actually, it makes sense to me. It's actually just the spring game, but it counts against their record for the upcoming season. <laughs> but only if Tennessee loses. If they win, it doesn't. <laughs> and it only counts for Tennessee. So Georgia doesn't get no. a win, but Tennessee no. would get a loss. Now that's something Bug would be on don't board they, with. Too bad he's not here. Don't, don't they just get a loss for showing up to the spring game? <clears throat> uh, no, that's actually a tie. It's the Uh-oh. only tie the NCAA oh, they, still they're taking lost. the Indiana. They're taking the Colts method of starting a season. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's a thing that happened. Um, also, new rule approved. The transfer windows are officially a thing. Now, we kind of knew this was for sure going to happen. I don't think the details have really been announced anywhere yet. So here are the transfer windows for football. You have 45 days starting on the day that the college football playoff field is announced. Selection Sunday for those of you. Uh, 
after that period, you also have May 1 to May 15. And then if your head coach is fired outside of your sports window for any sport, not just football, if your head coach is fired outside of one of those windows, you have 30 days following that coach's termination, which I really do appreciate that last inclusion. That's the first thing I can think of in recent memory where the NCAA actually cared about their student athletes. So that's right. awesome. Um, and I doubt it will ever happen again. That's all we get as far as NCAA giving shit. <laughs> uh, but with these transfer windows now, obviously we're not in a window for football at the moment. All the players in the football in, in the transfer portal right now for football uh, have been get taken out. out of the portal, which is insane. I don't know how I feel about that. Not good. But not yeah. bad, but not good. I guess that's why I said I don't know how to feel about it because there's not a great way to explain how I feel about it. <laughs> neutral. There no, is a I'm word for this. I'm not neutral about it. I'm slightly mostly, bad. I'm mostly disappointed, yet I understand where they're coming from, and I don't want to go into this long of an explanation about my emotions on a football podcast. It's it, bro. It's okay to talk about your emotions anytime you want. It's to, you not just okay. Let me know. <laughs> it's not okay because we have games to preview, and I want to get to that instead. Can we do that? <laughs> all right, only because I like some of these matchups this week. Actually, I like them all. I like so many matchups this weekend. It was very difficult to limit ourselves to uh, one pick I'm a piece. I'm excited for the surprise on the slide when we show it. Well, I, I literally had seven games I wanted to pick for my game of the week this week, and you made me stick to one. So Yeah, that's you made you stick. What What is this I made you? You made you stick to one. It's all your fault. Uh, so... <laughs> Before we Typical. get there, though, we do our ranked versus ranked matchups. Uh, we only have two. Here's the, the surprise. Bubble, which means to get to our customary six games that we're picking each and every week, we needed to pull a ranked versus ranked matchup from the FCS level, and this one is a doozy. So we'll get there in a second. But let's start us off with talking about a little bit about BYU at Oregon. Uh, I will say BYU is still without one of their top receivers, but also BYU has not lost to a Pac-12 opponent in like six years or something crazy. Uh, I think this one ought to be a decent game just because it's at Oregon instead of the other way around. But I expect BYU to have their way with Oregon, honestly. I, I'm interested. Oregon's been underperforming as far as I'm concerned this year. Um, BYU exceeded expectations. They were not slowed at all last week, as we expected, missing their top receiver. So Top two yeah. receivers last week. Yeah. That was insane, including one of the Romney kids, which changed your name at this point. Uh, anyway, <laughs> next ranked matchup of the week, we do have the U going to Kyle Field and Texas A&M. Uh, the fact that Texas A&M is still ranked is wild to me, but also... They might win this one, and they are the favorite, actually, even though they're the lower-ranked team. That is just proof that the rankings are trash. <laughs> uh, then we get to Delaware at Rhode Island, uh, two very 
hot FCS teams heading into this season. Uh, Delaware did beat Navy in week one before going on to beat an FCS opponent in week two. Rhode Island has scored 35 points in each of their first two games, winning by multiple scores in each of them as well. Uh, actually, it was just one touchdown last week against Bryant, wasn't it? So here's my thing with with, with Rhodey, uh, URI. They've been building this program for a few years now. They have been historically mm-hmm. trash. Um, but they have been building this program. They are on the upward trend. They look really good right now. Yeah, last week against Delaware State, I got to say, Delaware looked unbeatable. But also, that was Delaware State. So, And the week before was Navy. This ought to be a really good lit test for both teams. I'm actually really excited for this matchup. So we do have Bugs picks for this week. Uh, he is taking BYU. I think we all kind of agree on that one, actually. Um, we'll see. He's also he's also taking Texas A&M. Um, which, yeah, they are the favorite. They do have five and a half points, according to Vegas. Uh, it, is, it is at Kyle Field, and Miami hasn't won anything yet, actually. So, I know Chris Ball's there, and it's a feel-good story, but they need to prove it first. And he's also taken Delaware. They are the higher-ranked team, probably for a reason. You'd have to think the FCS doesn't have too many inherent CAA biases, like, uh, you know, the A people has SEC bias. <laughs> yep. Now, they overlove themselves some Missouri Valley schools, but the CAA is... I don't know if they count the overlove when they earned it. Like, those really I mean, yeah, but three of the top four teams being Missouri Valley schools is kind of weird still. Uh, anyway. The, two of the final four last year. <laughs> You're ruining my point here. My point is that That's Delaware is good. <laughs> your job is to on, make for a good show. Your argument is that Delaware is good. My argument is that the FCS polls are good. Yeah, and that's a weird argument we're having. I don't know why we continue <laughs> to fight. Uh, here's the thing. Yeah, Delaware is good. Um, it's also at Rhode Island, and I don't Rudy, know. Let's see how I pick. Uh, I am going to take BYU. Uh, I just I don't believe in Oregon. I really don't. I don't like Bo Nix either. I wanted to like Bo Nix so badly when Same. he was at Auburn, and I just I can't bring myself to do that. I'm also going to take Texas A&M. Uh, kind of the same line of thinking, you know. I just. Tyler Van Dyke has been decent at quarterback, and he's a hell of a lot better than Hunter King. But I don't know that I can put any faith in the Miami defense in a big, big time situation. And uh, I don't know that I can put any faith in the Miami offense in a big time situation. I mean, with Chris Ball, they haven't had any big time opponents yet. It's all been kind of a build up to this, the first real test. And it's on the road. And it's going to be a pissed off Aggies team. I'm going to take Texas A&M here, and I'm glad I'm not having to pick against the spread because it might come down to a field goal, and I'm not ready to pick Miami in a field goal game just yet. Uh, I am going to take Rhode Island though against Delaware. I have done some deep dive into these teams. 
Delaware has done very well for themselves living off of the turnover. So here's an interesting point. Um, they have as many fumble recoveries as they have forced fumbles, which is unsustainable. Rhode Island has double the forced fumbles and then they have fumble recoveries. That's the sign of an actual ball hawking, punch it out defense. And if you're going to see any trend continue, I would much rather see, you know, I'd, I'd much rather put faith in Rhode Island's trend continuing than Delaware's. Also, pure efficiency standpoint, I would say Rhode Island's offense has been better the last two weeks than Delaware's has. Uh, now, I will grant Delaware had to play an FBS opponent and Rhode Island didn't. But even against FCS competition, Rhode Island's quarterback looks better. I'm going to take the Rams in this one, and I'm feeling pretty good about that pick. I like it. Going through my picks, uh, no surprise here. Let's take BYU off the board. All right. All right, Doug, I've agreed with everything you said so far about this A&M and the U game. I do, 100%. Miami hasn't proven it yet. Miami needs to prove it. AM needs to come back and show that they last week was just a fluke. Um, is Miami legit? Like these are all questions we're looking at, but I do also agree with you that this is going to come down to a one-score game. Uh, I, I told you in our discussions yesterday, I'm taking Miami against the spread. I don't know if I would take them outright because it's going to be it's going to be a one-play game. However, for the purpose of the podcast, this is the week that Miami proves themselves. That defense comes out, they play legit enough. That offense comes out and scores enough, which as we, App State showed us last week, you don't even need to be efficient on offense. You just need to hold that football and pray for the best. Um, right. This is the week that Miami asserts itself, cracks the top 10, and uh, makes the SEC go crying home. Could you imagine, hold on, could you imagine two losses at Kyle Field? In a row. That would make me so happy. I can't stand Texas A&M. And Jimbo Fisher especially. Alright, in the final matchup, I'm also taking uh, taking Rody, uh, the Rody Rams. Like I said, they've been building something special here. Um, and, and you're right, they have been playing better. Um, but this is the first true test for both of these teams. Let's see what they can do. Uh, yeah, yeah, Delaware played an FBS team, but it was Navy. It, it wasn't just Navy. It was Navy <laughs> this year, which is right. not a right. good Navy. Right. Um, yeah, I I feel bad picking against my head coaches on the water. Ryan Day was a quarterback in Delaware. Yeah, but... so was Joe Flacco. All right, Rhode Island wins. <laughs> <laughs> in our game picks this week, there are so many awesome matchups this weekend. If you're not glued to a television that lets you watch multiple college football games at once, uh, there's something really wrong with I'm, you. I'm sorry, I won't be. I will be refing football. Get out of here. I will be refing. Fucking zebra, dude. I don't trust you at all. You're right. I'm probably going to get missed calls. <laughs> uh, but let's talk about our games that we have selected here to watch specifically. Uh, Bugs game up first. He is taking Georgia Southern at UAB. Uh, Georgia Southern is 2-0. UAB is 1-1. But UAB is 11.5-point favorites in this one. 
Uh, it probably just comes down to historical dominance. UAB has been a Conference USA contender every year since they've come back into existence. And Georgia Southern has been very bad every year since they've joined the FBS level. So this year with Clay Helton uh, makes things a lot more interesting. And it is certainly a game I'm looking forward to as well. I like this pick a lot. Uh, my pick this week is an SEC team on the road facing off against the Mid-American Conference. Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's headed to Northern Illinois. And I'm not going to lie to you. I think Vanderbilt actually looks pretty dang good this year. Vandy's trying to get in get, on that action? They're going to get steamrolled in the SEC, though. Like, they play all of the good ones. So <laughs> that's that's just tough. Yeah, there's, um, there's no Auburns or LSUs this year on that schedule. Yeah. So they also are playing at the defending MAC champions in the NIU Huskies. This ought to be a pretty freaking sweet game. I'm so much looking forward to this. Uh, what do you got? I am sticking with my tradition here. I have a soft spot for rivalries. I'm taking another rivalry game. We've got Oklahoma traveling up the country back roads all the way to Lincoln, Nebraska. Um, look, Take there's no, there is country absolutely roads. no reason why this should be a close game. In fact, it should be a blowout. Uh, however, even Vegas isn't expect. Yeah, even Vegas isn't expecting that. The spread last I saw is only sitting at eleven. Uh, yep. In favor of Oklahoma. So they're not dumb. Um, but here's the thing. This is not just a rivalry game. It's a rivalry game with all of the bad blood. How does Nebraska look in the post-Scott Frost era? How does Mickey, Mickey Joseph, how does he look going against the team that ended his career? His playing career was ended by Oklahoma at Nebraska. He hates this team. I love everything about this matchup right now. I think Nebraska's going to keep it close. You know what? But I'm going to go ahead and say it. The one-score losses, that's not just a Scott Frost issue. They're probably going to drop one by one score this week, too. Ooh. I guess that kicks off our picks, but our animations are so differently, so we're going to have to wait. It's, it's okay. We can come back to mine. <laughs> uh, so we'll start off with Bug. Once again, he is taking UAB at home. It's the smart pick historically. It makes total sense, but I do think this is going to be a good game, and it should be fascinating to watch. Uh, he is also going to take NIU at home. I know Vanderbilt has historically not been very good, and they're getting propped up by a 53-point win against Hawaii, which is one of the worst FBSs in you know, recent memory this year. Uh, but, you know, I, I think this game is going to be worth a watch. It's going to be a lot closer than you would think here in SEC and Mac. Uh, and then he is taking Oklahoma here. Uh, right. It's the obvious pick. But upsets do happen. I don't know. If this this oh is uh, God. Could you imagine Nebraska storming the field? He, Mickey Joseph gets an automatic 20-year extension. Ah, uh, dude, 100 There's no way. If Mickey Joseph pulls this off with less than a week's time to prepare, if he pulls this off, there's no way you don't make him the full-time coach immediately. I mean, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, I'm actually going to take Georgia Southern in this first game of the week here. I believe in Clay Helton. 
I always thought he was overhated at USC. It was Those just a cultural fit. And Georgia Southern is very much so a cultural fit for Clay Helton. I love what this defense has been doing. And UAB does not look as good as they have in recent years. I'm going to bank on a little bit of an upset here. Uh, actually, be a lot of an upset, according to Vegas. But I, I like Georgia Southern in this game. I'm also going to take Vanderbilt. I know they're going on the road. And I know NIU is a good team. And I'm just I'm going to trust in Vanderbilt's defense. Uh, they've been building up a little bit. They have a couple of all SEC guys on that defense. If you know who their coach is, he was former defensive coordinator for Notre Dame back when they actually had good defenses. And, yeah, I mean, you've been seeing a lot of progress out of Vanderbilt. I'm going to take the Commodores here. And I'm going to take Oklahoma. It's the smart choice. I hate picking all road teams, though, in our picks. It makes me feel really scared. Yeah, so let me help you out here. Oof. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna start with UAB. Okay. Uh, I, I think Nebraska was a fluke. I think it was more of Nebraska shooting themselves in the foot. But Doug, I agree with everything you're saying about Clay Helton. I think he's actually a fantastic coach. He got run out of USC because the boosters were calling for him to be fired the day he was hired. Um, I'm also gonna take Vandy. Um, I. I think you're right. They've made such good strides. Um, they're they're moving in the right direction, but they're not there in the SEC yet. But they are there in the MAC for the action. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna see some SEC take over some action this week in MAC territory. Um, and then as much as I want to, I already tipped this pick off. Uh, I would love to pick Nebraska. I I, I at that point I'm here for the memes. Um, yeah. But but I can't. I have a record to uphold. I have I have a reputation to maintain, so I'm going to take what seems to be the safer pick here, and I'm going to take OU. Uh, playing BDT with the, consensus. Yeah, the, here's the thing: playing with emotion is good. Yeah. I love seeing that happen, but there is such thing as playing with too much emotion, and I'm wondering if that's how Nebraska is going to come into this game. I would put money on that, actually. But exactly now, what happens? But but now understand this. These are straight up picks. If I was picking against the right. spread, I would I would take Nebraska plus eleven. There you yeah, go. I'll put might, that out there. I might as well. That's is that's understandable to me. But with that, it is time for our prospect preview. Now I didn't get to review the prospects that I highlighted last week, uh, because in Monday's episode we had a special guest talking about Alabama, Texas. Great conversation. If you haven't listened to that yet, go download last episode. But that means I still have to review the prospects that I talked about last week. So I'll start off with Jalen Moreno Cropper. Uh, I also want to apologize to Moreno Cropper uh, because I apparently didn't know change his last name to Moreno Cropper and the hyphen is wrong here and all sorts of bad things happened. So Totally got your name wrong, man. Uh, I apologize. At the same time, I'm also going to shit on your game. So maybe I'm not sorry. Uh, you played like ass, and I needed better out of you. So, <laughs> really, really starting this relationship with Jalen Moreno Cropper off right. Um, 
No, so here's the thing. I talked about last episode that we talked about him. I had mentioned that we need to see some explosiveness. You need to see some top-end speed. You need to find a way to get some separation because he's a small-body receiver, only like 160 pounds. You need to find a way to be a little bit more aggressive and create space, and he just wasn't able to do it. Now, I knew this was going to be a tough matchup. Oregon State has the linebackers to make this a really difficult matchup for him, and that's what I was afraid of, and it's exactly what happened. He did break off one catch for 45 yards. Other than that, it was nickel and dime stuff, and he was getting tackled immediately. Uh, based and tackled with the ball in his hand. So I'm not seeing it out of Moreno Cropper. I'll keep an eye on him, though. I mean, Horvax is fantastic at Fresno State. Jake Hayner is amazing. So anything's possible. Maybe he figures it out midway through the season and ends up being a worthwhile UDFA pickup or something like that. Uh, I'm not going to put money on that just yet. For the defensive side of the ball, I had wanted to talk about DeMarvion Overshone, the linebacker out of Texas. Uh, came over from the safety position and has historically been much, much better in pass coverage than in run support. And against Alabama, most of his tackles were in run support. It was Love actually really awesome to see. And... Yeah, he, I mean, he did everything I could have asked for out of him. Uh, pretty tight coverage. Didn't get the th- ball thrown his way all that often, which is a good thing. Uh, when he did, he did have two tackles, but they were also very short. So he kept things in front of him, did everything right, and most of his tackles, again, were in uh, run support. I love to see it. Uh, this week, however, two different guys I wanted to highlight. We'll start off with the running back, Zach Charbonnet, out of UCLA, the transfer from the team up north. Um, I'm only talking about him because he's not there anymore, got to be honest with you. <laughs> uh, but also, that's kind of fair because when he was at the team up north, he wasn't getting too many opportunities. And then last year, broke out in a big way. Uh, over 1,100 rushing yards, 1,300 total yards and 13 total touchdowns last season. Pretty awesome. Hasn't found that gear just yet this season. This would be a great week to do it. I I really want to see him play well. Uh, South Alabama hasn't been like renowned for their defense, but honestly this season the defense looks pretty dang good, and if Charbonnet can get things going, I would be impressed with a good performance against South Alabama. For the defensive side of the ball, I do want to talk about a Auburn corner, Nehemiah Pritchett. Uh, the big corner storyline in this game this week for Auburn will be Penn State's corner, Joey Porter. Uh, Joey Porter is probably the best junior. corner in the Big Ten. Yeah, Joey Porter Jr. Uh, probably the best corner in the Big Ten. I don't think it's necessarily that close either. Uh, but I'm interested in watching the corner across the way. Nehemiah Pritchett is the kind of spiritual successor, if you will, to Noah Igbenogany. Uh They've had a couple of great corners come through the, the draft in recent memory. And if Nehemiah Pritchett could step things up, I could see, could see him being in that range as well. It would take a lot this season. But he's going to be put in position to succeed. 
Uh, not too many opportunities in the past couple of years. 2020 was a great season for him. 10 pass breakups and an interception. I want to see him ball hawk a little bit than that. Only getting two interceptions in his career so far. I would like to see him get, you know, a handful this year. It would be very nice. Um, but, again, he's going to be in a position to succeed if he can figure it out. Number 18 for Auburn. Looking forward to watching him play. So, um, I, you brought up Noah Igbenogany, uh, and that's, that's one that's close to my heart. So, I'm going to ask how far this comparison goes. Noah mm-hmm. came out as a freakish athlete that was raw with defensive back skills to the point where Miami is still working that, that project. Is uh, Pritchett the same style? Is he just a very good athlete? Might be weak in the, in, in the DB skills department, or is he just the package? Like, does he have the package, or is that what you're looking for to see? Well, I would say it's actually pretty spot on. He has the athletic traits and the skill set. He just hasn't put everything together yet, right? Um, this is the whole one. He's 6'1", 183. There's still talk that he might potentially still put on some weight, grow into more of a safety role. Uh, but he has the length and the speed to really cover really well if he puts his mind to it. And I would like to see some more technical ability out of him, which you just haven't seen yet. Fair enough. All right, man. But we don't have any non-NFL Pro League news. Nothing out of the XFL this week. Nothing out of. Just... Uh, we do have fan-controlled hoops confirmed, but we're not a basketball no. podcast, so. All right. <laughs> I'm also confused how that would work, but here's my question. Yeah, me too. Do we do we do we have something else for the fans? Something that I need to shout out all of our followers on Twitter for having an immense impact on the results this week. I believe so. I think it's that time. All right, guys. Hey, it is bracket time, and I'm just gonna go ahead and say it. Doug and I have been geeking over this for. What, about the past three days? Three days since we put them out. Yep. You guys showed up. You showed mm-hmm. up in force with the exception of one poll, which made Doug and I both laugh. Uh, Twitter, <laughs> you guys are fantastic. Thank you for making these decisions easy for us. Um, or easier, I should say. Uh, man, that's, I'm just so happy with, with, with how, how these turned out. I'm going to hand it over to you, man. Let's get bracket yeah. time going. I mean, definitely a big shout-out to Rick as well for sharing our polls. Uh, definitely got some more traction than we would have otherwise. But a lot of turnout for these polls, and we needed them because this These are is not easy our... matchups. Right. We're already down to the final eight stadiums in our Power 5 plus 5 stadiums bracket. And I guess the only thing we can do is get started here. First matchup of the day is Florida State up against the University of Alabama. This is Doke S. Campbell versus Bryant Denny. Uh, Twitter in a big way did go for Bryant Denny. Uh, I guess I'll hand it off to you. What do you think? Man, like you said, Twitter went off on Bryant Denny. I love the outer the outer look of, of Doke S. Campbell. Do not get me wrong. I love both of these stadiums. But here's the thing. I, I'm going to look at game day atmosphere. They're both great. I think Brian Denny has a slight edge in that, but I'm going to tell you where Brian Denny has a massive edge. 
looking at recent history, crowds, stadium bill play a big factor into how your teams play on the field. Mm-hmm. Man, Alabama has had that on sh- on lock for the past few seasons, dropping very few games, whereas Florida State's been dropping a fair considerable amount of them. I'm going to stick with Twitter on this one. I- I'm going Brian Denny. Yeah, there's kind of nothing I can do about this. <laughs> it felt inevitable eventually. I love the look of Dokes Campbell. It is so unique and so cool. So uh, college. Brian Denny is on another level, man. It's it's undeniable at this point. You know, Alabama needs to be moving on here. It makes complete sense to me, unfortunately. <laughs> it's okay. Um, it, is, it is tough to sort of say go, though, because I do love the stadium so much. Uh, but that's what this bracket's all about, eliminating, making hard decisions. Uh, and this next one's going to be a very hard decision as well. Looking at Davis Wade Stadium against the Rose Bowl itself. Uh, Mississippi State up against UCLA. And Twitter, in a big way, went with Davis Wade. Uh, not even close, got to say. Uh, and based off attendance last week, got to be honest, I kind of see it. Because there were only like seven people that showed up in the Rose Bowl. <laughs> seven. <laughs> Here's my thing. <laughs> Davis Wade, it looks cool. I can't look at recent record to separate these teams. I can tell you that the atmosphere is entirely different when different in a good way when the stadiums are full. That's going to be about even for me. Here's what the Rose Bowl has. As much as you think I hate it, because I voted against it once, Here's what the Rose Bowl has that Davis Wade doesn't, and that's the history, right? How many mm-hmm. end teams have traveled down to Pasadena, take on the Tournament of Roses? You know, I can't, I can't vote against the Rose Bowl here. There's too much college history there. Davis Wade is a fantastic stadium. I understand why Twitter went the way they did. I personally disagree. I would push on the Rose Bowl. comes down to me because Bug's not here. Uh-huh. It's a lot of pressure. Here's what I'm thinking. And this is going to surprise you. The Rose Bowl is known for activities outside of the stadium just as much as it's known for activities inside the stadium. And I don't want to give it credit for the Rose Parade. I really don't. Which kind of means that Mississippi State's the better environment. I get it. You hate the Rose Bowl. I'm now going to flick that stank on you. Rose Bowl kind of sus. Rose Bowl, <laughs> Rose Bowl kind of sus. I, we need to tweet that out now. <laughs> I'm good. I'm not what, tweeting that what, out. What, you, what uh, you're really saying is Rose Bowl is better when there's a big, big 10 team there. Well, yes, and there will be starting in 2024, so it's all right. Uh, no, I'm, I think Twitter has a point here, and I'm going to go with Davis Wade. I think this is uh, too great of a game day atmosphere to ignore. I understand this is about the stadium as a whole. That video board is impressive to me, and also... I don't know, man. There's something about it. It's like, it's so unique and yet 
very collegiate field shaped. I don't know. It's it's hard to explain unless you see it, and it's uh it's worth looking at. So I guess David Swade's moving on here, which feels sacrilegious, but also it just happened. So that's where we're at in life. And let's move on to the third matchup of the day. This is the University of Southern California versus the University of Tennessee. It's the LA Memorial Coliseum versus Neyland Stadium. Two very iconic stadiums in the history of college football. This was by far the closest vote on Twitter. We had almost 30 respondents, and it was separated by a single vote. And that vote went to USC. Uh, Hold up. I yeah. do have to ask this because it is one vote. Are you counting Rick's vote? Um, I did not. Which would put us at a tie. It technically would, wouldn't it? Yep. Uh, so, we hand it off to you, man. Where you at with this? This is amazing. This entire issue is amazing. Look, I know I've spent time talking up Tennessee over the past few matchups. That's not the case here. Uh, again, the history out of the L.A. Memorial Coliseum. Uh, the look of it, the the game day atmosphere, even with their team not being good the past few years. Again, mm-hmm. Tennessee has been good in a longer time period, but same concept. I'm I'm going, I'm going LA Memorial here. Yeah, I'm gonna have a really hard time not going with the Memorial Coliseum. So one thing I keep bringing up is that Tennessee is bringing back those big Vols letters on the outside of the stadium. They're not there yet, baby. Yep. Not there yet. And they took them down, which is already points against you. Uh, I'm going with USC as well, and we are not having an all-SEC final. That's, that's a fact. Well, that wasn't <laughs> going to happen anyway. Well, it's definitely not going to happen now. So, suck it, Neyland. Uh USC is moving on. And our last matchup of the day, the Ohio State University. Up against the University of Florida, this is Ohio Stadium versus Ben Hill Griffin Stadium, or as they are better known, the Shoe versus the Swamp. The Swampy um, Shoe. Um, hey man, did, I'm I'm gonna let you say your piece first. Okay, Twitter did go with Ohio State, um, which I greatly appreciate. I am an Ohio State fan. Um, and I respect the hell out of the swamp. This is a this is what the bracket was all about. Let's get down these kind of matchups. That environment down there in Florida is incredible. It's one that you won't forget if you're there. There is one of the best meldings of environment, uh, collegiality of the design of the stadium. Collegiality. And We're creating words now. It is not a made-up word. That is a real word. And historical significance, all wrapped up into the horseshoe. Um, I mean, there is so much going on here. I, it's hard to explain where my mind is at with this. Um, everything from that stained glass in the front and walks out down the ramp 
That's script Ohio dot in the eye. I mean, there is so much about going to a game at the shoe. It's just. It is truly an experience unlike anything else. And I mean, I say that knowing that there are plenty of college traditions out there. But once you get into a stadium with over 100,000 people and literally everyone is wearing scarlet and gray because all the visitor tickets also got sold to Ohio State fans. Hey, hey, as long as you're not seeing any maize and blue, you're okay. I mean, here's another thing that's really hurting the swamp. I have stood on the field at Ohio State. You own part of the old field of Ohio State. I do own part of the old turf. Um, From the field, looking up at just the ring of the years that we've won national championships and the head coaches that brought those championships and the Heisman Trophy winners and just seeing all that surrounding you and looking down on you as you play with the victory bell right off in the corner. I love, I love Ohio State so much. <laughs> so say, yeah. say you're going with the, with the shoe. You would go there, dude. I'm so weird. <laughs> all right. Look, I'm I'm honestly on the same page as you. I wanted to give you a chance to say your say your piece because next week, honestly, we might not be able to get a chance to say these pieces about some of these stadiums because Twitter, you vote on number one. Yes, like whoever you, you vote as number one, you own number one. Yeah. Um I love the swamp, but I think you're entirely right. Ohio State is a different atmosphere. The, they have these cameras on gimbals, and when that crowd gets going, it's shaking the camera on national television, right? It, it's an iconic shape. It's a different shape. It's not just your standard bowl. Now, have they filled it in? Yes. But it works. It still has that horseshoe shape. That's why it's called the shoe. I Man, I could not vote against Ohio State here. Ohio State needed to be in the Final Four. You know, I've literally done a mile run around the stadium. Nice. It was like one and a half laps. The stadium is fucking huge. I'm saying, man. <laughs> All right. All right. We got to get out of here. Um, there will be a final four next week on Twitter. And like Tug said, uh, your vote decides who the number one stadium in all of college football is. So we definitely need your help voting in this poll. That final four will be Bryant Denny versus Wade Davis, Davis Wade, sorry, uh, the LA Memorial Coliseum and Ohio Stadium, Alabama, Mississippi State, USC, and Ohio State. That is. I um, already have my personal top three. That's. <laughs> I wonder which one you left out. Uh, that's a very different group of top four than I would have expected, but that's part of what makes bracket time so much fun is that literally everything is unexpected and it's just a great time. So we need your votes for sure, but that'll be up next week. Stay tuned. And I'll say that's all I have. 
So oh my god, I am such a dunce. What? I forgot to scroll the links across the bottom of the entire show. Uh, I have just now remembered. So let me read them to you because I need to correct my mistakes. As always, guys, we have our Twitter account. Please, please, please go out, vote, come out in the same force that you did this week. Um, Twitter.com slash football. You can find us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash football. You can find us on Instagram, Instagram.com slash underscore football. Patreon, Patreon.com slash football. Twitch.tv slash big dudes in the trenches, all one word. Hey. <laughs> Uh, you've got our website, bdtfootball.com, and our email mailbox at bdtfootball.com. And we do have a YouTube channel. I will not read you that link. It is a mile long. Uh, it will be posted in the description below. Just search Big Dudes in the Trenches or click that link for sure. And score update, it is still 10-7, which is amazing. Defenses came to show up. It came to play. And uh, that is what these teams up. have been. Yeah, it's that is what these teams have been building for the past couple of years. So this kind it of makes true. sense. It is true, but everyone knows them for their offenses, so it's still kind of interesting. Corey Lindsley is questionable to return. Damn, Ohio State guy. <laughs> Feel bad for him. Also, the Chargers are still winning, so I'm happy. I want the Chargers to win. If I didn't make that clear, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm out of here. You out of All here? right. Yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for watching and or listening. Uh, look, we say it every week. We'll say it again. You can't win a game if you can't win in the trenches. <laughs>